For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Barry Bonds is out. Roger Clemens is out. And realistically, all of the steroids-era cheaters are going to be as out as is possible. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The Hall of Fame vote ended up, I would say, pretty much as had been expected all along, the only real uncertainty was whether anyone would get elected, and David Ortiz just managed to stay above the 75% threshold at 77.2. He's in, and everyone else is out. And of greater significance, I'm sure, to the baseball community, including in Pittsburgh, Bonds, Clemens, and a couple others are now done with their 10 years on the writer ballots. They could still get in. There's a committee called Today's Game that's going to take up their cause later in the year. But from the writer's standpoint, from my standpoint as a voter, it's done. The end. Bonds wound up with 66% of the writer's vote, again, needing 75. So he was a full 9% short. That's not that close of a call. And the reaction was pretty much what you'd expect. Everybody had long since taken up sides on this one. It was a lot like politics. Whoever decided something one way years ago was going to wag a finger at the other and vice versa. And there really wasn't much New material offered either, I can tell you, as somebody who was on the receiving end of a lot of that. It was all, uh, you guys voted Bud Selig in. No, we actually didn't. Bud Selig was voted in by a veterans committee. You guys just didn't like Bonds because he was mean to reporters. Well, I only ever had two interactions with the guy, and they were both terrific. One of them, extra terrific out in San Francisco. So, no, not on that one either. You guys are just uh, hypocrites or have a double standard. This is this is the one that, that came a lot. And most often, it came without accompaniment. It would just be, you're hypocrites. So, occasionally, I pause and respond to one of these on social media and say, you know, in what regard? In what regard am I a hypocrite to have not checked a single box of any known steroids-era cheater in the five years that I've had a ballot? What could conceivably be perceived as hypocritical about that? Well, other people cheated. 
Gaylord Perry cheated. <laughs> like, like I had a vote for Gaylord Perry. Uh, Ty Cobb was a really bad guy. Yeah, just, Ty Cobb was just a bit before my time, as I can prove to you from not having any Hannes Wagner rookie cards to my name. Bunch of these guys are cheaters, and you were just picking on Bonds and whatever. And, and again, no. No, there is not a single time I have checked a box for a player who was known to have cheated via steroids. Not one time. And ideally, now that this is done, and now that Alex Rodriguez only got 36% of the vote and has a mountain to climb ahead of him, we're going to be done with this issue once and for all. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. At some point in recent years, it became fashionable in the baseball community to overlook the cheating, to suggest that it really didn't matter much, it wasn't important. And the only people that were worried about it are, you know, old, stodgy, cigar-chomping baseball writers. My belief, my observation, is that this originated with the analytics community. My recollection of seeing articles printed beginning a few years ago, dramatically downplaying cheating as part of any sort of analytical discussions or breakdowns. Why? Because can't quantify it. This has long been a pattern of the analytics community's plural of any sport. When something comes along that you can't attach data or a number to, they get they get a little cringy about it and they start saying that it doesn't matter. This is what happened with clutch. This was way before any cheating discussions arose. With clutch, there, there was nothing that anyone could attach to it. How do we know what's going through a player's head or nervous system as he steps into the box with runners on second and third, two outs in game seven? We have no idea. We have no idea. We can interview the participants, which is what reporters do, and we get their feedback and share it as best we can. They all believe in it like 1 billion percent, but no one in the analytics community does. So they began dumping on the concept of clutch. That, to me, was the beginning of the analytics community just saying, anything that we can't put a numeral on must not exist. Cheating came next. And because of the heavy influence that the analytics community has on baseball, in particular, 
most of it, believe me, very much for the better. I'm not one of those people that bashes uh, either analytics or their impact on the game. I'm not crazy about some of the after effects. I don't think any of us are, including people in the analytics community. But I think it's been a great positive for baseball. And then after that, other sports that followed suit. Baseball was the pioneer here. I've never appreciated this component, intended or otherwise, where something as simple and basic and universally accepted as sportsmanship was allowed to just be swept under the rug. There isn't a sport played anywhere on this planet at any level, any age group, any scope that doesn't have rules against cheating. Not one. Not one. You could get in a good game of marbles in the Mongolian desert, and you've got rules to follow. And if you break those rules, you're either penalized or disqualified. That somehow, just out of nowhere, stopped mattering. And then the sycophants in the national baseball media, all of which, by the way, were pandering like crazy on social media. What an outrage this is. Give me a break. They all know Bonds cheated. They all know Clemens cheated. They're not guessing at it. They're not speculating. They know with deadlock certainty that these guys cheated. But they want to pander to the same group, so they chime in with the same vapid, logic-free arguments that these two should be in without actually being able to dismiss their cheating. They just say, well, they have these numbers, and therefore they should be in. These are ill-gotten gains. These numbers are ill-gotten gains. And in one case, the ill-gotten gain stripped the game's all-time home run king of his rightful and honorably achieved record. That, of course, being the great Henry Aaron. But they're okay with that so that they can pander on social media. They're okay with that. Believe you me, if there are hypocrites in this equation, those are the ones. Because I know, and I mean know, how they felt as recently as a decade ago. They're the ones who changed the 66% or so who voted in favor of a cheater to make it into the Hall of Fame. When we come back, just one question. And today's comes from Brian Horn, who asks, plain and simple, will the Pirates keep Brian Reynolds? The easy answer to that, Brian, the casual answer is yes. They hold his rights for four more years. 
and particularly after the past 48 hours of labor negotiations between Major League Baseball's owners and players, it's become very clear that nothing will change as it relates to how long a team can retain a player before he hits free agency. There have been some discussion, some counter-proposals for the players, specifically that asked if players could become free agents a year earlier. That was summarily dismissed, and they've appeared to have moved on past it. So, Reynolds' rights belong to the Pirates for the next four years through arbitration. Without boring everyone to tears as to how arbitration works, they agree on a salary based on precedent. And if they don't agree, it goes to an independent arbitrator who stamps a number on a piece of paper, and that's the amount that he's getting paid. After that, he's on the open market. Now, if you're actually asking, Brian, and I will presume that you are because most people do, whether or not he can remain a pirate for the foreseeable future, meaning beyond four years, meaning some kind of a, oh, I don't know if it's a Fernando Tatis type of deal. My feeling is that any extension would be a lot more likely in the mold of what we saw with Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, Gregory Polanco, a couple others along the way in recent years. Yes, I understand this is a new front office, but it's the same owner, and they've also kind of hinted, meaning Ben Charrington and his people, that this is more the model than it is just breaking the bank the way San Diego did and committing themselves to Tatis, Manny Machado, and others for really, really long periods of time and potentially trapping themselves into really dark days when those players are up into their mid and late 30s. The model that existed with Kutch and these other individuals was simple. You sign them through their arbitration years, so in Reynolds' case, that's the four, and he has that money now guaranteed as opposed to just swimming from post to post year after year. And then he, you know, blows out his knee or something one year, and then he doesn't make anything, you know, because he's done. But in addition to the four years, you offer buyouts for free agent years that go beyond that. You can do that for two years. You can do it as many as you want. Two has been the common one uh, with the Pirates and really with other teams as well. So you sign him for the four years. The four years are guaranteed. The years after that become club options. So the club chooses whether or not they exercise those. If the player's good, you exercise them, and theoretically you've got yourself a pretty nice deal. If not, you know, then it's the Gregory Polanco situation we're about to see where you pay them a couple million or whatever, in, in Polanco's case it's three, to just go away. I could very much see that kind of offer being put forth not only to Reynolds, but also to Kibrian Hayes. The Pirates have already broached deals like this with Hayes on more than one occasion and got turned down, which you would imagine 
is going to be a back-and-forth type of process between the team and the agent and the player for a while to come. His value, if you think about it, Hayes, is kind of difficult to gauge right now. You know, because he's coming off that year where he had the wrist injury and it very clearly affected his ability to pull the ball. We saw when he was pulling the ball, he looked like Ted Williams. So if he's back and healthy and able to do some of the things that we saw in that ridiculous month in 2020, then he's operating from a greater position of strength. If not, then it goes the other way. Reynolds, a lot more basic, man, a lot more basic. He's just so consistent. Yes, I remember his opening month of 2022, and I remember all the circumstances, but everything that we've seen of Reynolds in a normal baseball season in 2019 and 2021 would suggest that this is going to be a star and a dependable star for years to come. And now add to that that he was able to slide over to center field and enhance his value that much more. This will be an expensive player, but don't don't think that it's going to be some kind of lifetime deal. I'm telling you, it's going to be something that would be more along the lines of four plus two, uh, something that would send a signal. Yeah, he's going to be here. He's going to be here until his early 30s. But for life and things like that, that that stuff's in the past. That doesn't happen much anymore anywhere in sports, certainly not in a non-salary capped league. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow.